So today's episode is really about learning how to be free from the opinions of other people. And and this, you know, goes for us as individuals as well as when we're in groups, because even the most put together of us, you know, the most educated professional put together, however you want to define put together, um, we we tend to we're not we don't always think as independently as we think we do. And we can very easily get, you know, sort of caught up in what's called group think. So, you know, I'd like to just read the first part. I've got a little from the Tao, not the whole verse, just a few sentences, because it's just really kind of going to set the stage for what we're going to talk about here. So part of the 13th verse of the Tao, Te Ching, is favor and disgrace seem alarming. High status greatly afflicts your person. Why are favor and disgrace alarming? Seeking favor is degrading. Alarming when it's gotten, alarming when it's lost. So, you know, basically this touches on a little bit when we um, touched on codependency, though that's that's not the chat for today. You know, it's about bringing that back in the living room. You know, instead of needing so much external approval and living at the beck and call, you know, of what other people think of us, to really, really remind ourselves that, you know, the only approval we really need is on the inside. And this can be tough, especially when there's that energy, you know, of a bunch of people thinking a certain way and, you know, commenting. It can be, be very, very difficult for us to separate from. You know, so I'd like to kind of introduce you in a sense to uh, the late Wayne Dyer. And if you haven't listened to his things on on the internet, and he, oh my gosh, he's amazing. He's written a bunch of books. His very first one, I believe, is called The Erogenous Zone, and was enormously, I mean, just one of the best sellers, I think, ever, actually. Uh, And anyway, he talks about the Tao in his book, Living the Wisdom of the Tao, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. I love that, because you know with my cognitive psychology side, right? Change your thoughts, change your life, because this is the truth. Thoughts come first and feelings come second. We know that to be true. So changing our thinking without any exaggeration then changes how we feel, which then leads to how we act or behave and therefore changes our lives because this also alters our own little mini universe with how people treat us. So you know, Wayne starts out by saying the essential message of this 13th verse of the Tao Te Ching seems to be that it's crucial to remain independent of both the positive and negative opinions of other people. Regardless of whether they love or despise us, if we make their assessments more more important than our own, we'll be greatly afflicted. You know, and this is something that's enormously important to be conscious of, because when we walk around on autopilot, you know, people get under our radar easily. We don't even always um, get it, or we're not always, you know, aware of it. Uh, in that day and, and necessarily, you know, ever they're, we're, they're just sort of, you know, kind of slapping their approval stamp on it. And that we get this, you know, ego feel good fix and we don't ever, you know, question. And of course it's easier when it's a positive approval, but really it's still, it's still having that, it's still kind of being like a little marionette, you know, and the other person has the, you know, it's kind of controlling the strings. We're kind of just dancing around whether it's positive or negative. The approval needs to be on the inside. That is the key. And so Wayne continues to explain. He says, seeking the favor of others isn't the way of the Tao. 
pursuing status stops the natural flow of divine energy to your independent mind. You have a basic nature that is uniquely yours. Amen. Learn to trust that down nature and be free of other people's opinions. Allow yourself to be guided by your, your essential beingness, the natural you that nourishes your independent mind. By contrast, chasing after favored status or lofty titles to display self-importance are examples of living from a mind that depends on external signals rather than the natural inner voice. Obviously, what he's talking about is the ego there. And we know that when you know approval-seeking is involved, that's the ego talking because the authentic self doesn't need anybody's approval, right? And the ego also doesn't want to die. The ego wants to stay alive. And so, you know, seeking that approval, getting that approval, that's like catnip for the ego, just feeds it and feeds. Of course, it's temporary because anything that involves the ego is temporary. Only the authentic self, you know, kind of is a long lasting thing. So the ego is just temporary, temporary, you know, like kind of like a dope fix. And then after that, you know, we're just looking for the next one. And approval seeking is addicting, which is, you know, kind of uh, what our previous talk on codependency was. And so Wayne continues to kind of um, explain to us, he said that Tao doesn't force or interfere with things. It lets them work in their own way to produce results naturally. Whatever approval is supposed to come your way will do so in perfect alignment. I love that. We talk a lot about alignment um, in my Minecraft class, actually. So we're trying to, the idea there is to get the insides to match the outsides. And I really like how Wayne just said that. Whatever approval is supposed to come our way will do so in perfect alignment. And he says, whatever disfavor shows up is also a part of this perfect alignment. And, you know, we don't always like that. I know myself included, right? We don't always like when disfavor shows up, but there's also reasons. We don't always get them in the moment. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's keeping our ego in check. You know, maybe we're being too controlling of a situation or we're being, you know, whatever it is where we're kind of a little bit lost and we don't even know we're lost because when, sort of like defines lost, right? You don't know your loss. And then the universe just has a way of redirecting us back to, you know, a more authentic place. And sometimes this involves a little smack on the butt, if you want to say, by the universe, right? So um, what? So I like how he says that. Whatever disfavor favor shows up is also a part of this perfect alignment because that little tap on the butt, you know, uh, can redirect us much like, Say it shouldn't be smacking toddlers. I don't want to say that, but much like we redirect, you know, a toddler's behavior, right? It's getting us back in line with our own authentic self. And sometimes we need that. I know I do. I know I definitely do. Okay. So then he says, Lao Tzu Riley points out that pursuing favor is alarming regardless of the outcome. If you gain approval, you'll become a slave to outside messages of praise. This is what we're talking about because they're reinforcing, right? We get all kinds of pats on the back and kudos and it's reinforcing. And that's, it's not to say that's always bad because that authentic praise is excellent. It's when we get into this habit, right? Or meaning, you know, um, conditioned response, usually unconscious. We get into this habit or we're seeking it out. That's sort of what we're talking about is, you know, um, sort of becoming unhealthy, and uh, something that's reinforcing 
and going to keep us on the track to get our self-esteem and self-worth from people and situations that are outside of us and our control. That's what we're talking about. You know, so when we kind of slide into this habit of, um, you know, gaining approval and we, you know, sort of becoming, you know, slaves to these external messages, that means, you know, someone else's opinion will therefore be directing our life. Think about that. That is exactly spot on true. And do we want someone or somebody's, you know, else out there, like directing our life from the outside in? I don't think so. You know, and then Wayne talks about the gaining of disfavor, right? Because he's saying they're just, you know, I don't want to say the yang. He doesn't say that. Those are my words. But, you know, the two different kind of sides to it, we're still, we're still seeking, you know, um, for approval or disapproval, whatever, from the outside. He says, if you gain disfavor, you'll push even harder to change their minds and you'll still be directed by forces outside of yourself. You know what? That is not only is that well said, that also um, kind of threads together with, you know, the last episode when we were talking about the Tibetan uh, word shenpa, when we, you know, somebody criticizes us or our child or our partner or just, you know, some even light, they might not like the, you know, the jeans you have on or whatever. And all of a sudden, okay, never mind if they make a crack and something salty about your political beliefs, something that's even deeper, right? Then this is even stronger. Then all of a sudden we feel that, um, Pima Chodron referred to it as like a sticky feeling. And once we were aware of that, I think we can all relate to it. So let's say, so this disfavor comes, right? And all of a sudden we feel that, that surge. It's like a little bit like a hot lava and then it's sticky and we just got to say something, got to do something. And it would just, and we, in that place, in that moment, we're just, it's like a sneeze. We just can't hold in. And it's interesting how, to me, how when I read different books and different cultures and different religions, different spiritual leaders, different everything, and they're really saying the same thing because here Wayne Dyer, based on the Tao, is talking about our need to push even harder to change somebody's mind when they kind of basically don't agree with us. And maybe they're, we're in disfavor because we're not agreeing with them. And the whole sh- idea of Shenpa, you know, from Tibet, the, the, it's, it's so, so, so related. And uh, of course, in the States, we've had lots of political uh, chaos and you know, just dissonance. I can't think of a better word between, you know, the conservatives and liberals. And even if you're not from the States and the whole world is aware and plus it, whatever country you're in, you've obviously had this in at some time or another. And, you know, the conservatives are just a hundred percent sure they're right. And their, their, their opinion is the truth for all people. Right. And the liberals, you know, are sure that their opinion is right. And the truth for all people. And when just myself being, you know, a, when I'm just in a room with people talking about this side and that side, and you can just feel their, you can feel their, or should I feel it? You can notice their shenpa. You can see the hot lava surge, even if they've got this, you know, sort of the self-control to kind of hold it together. You can just watch the clenched jaws and the, it's just been very, very, very tense. And so I think this talk is also very timely for right now. And I will tell you all that I haven't had much to say politically. I've mostly just been, you know, listening. I do with my husband, of course, and privately with the kids, but I, I don't really say much. And lately I've really, it's almost been, I was very intrigued by just kind of being a fly in the wall, as they say, and listening to the conversations, conversations and just observing all the body language and, you know, just all the energy going on. 
And it, it's interesting to see the paradox because the person who's talking and clinching and tense, you know, they, they think they're right. They think they're in control. And so is the other person who's, and nobody's, they're talking at each other. It doesn't, it doesn't appear that anybody's hearing each other because again, they got the facts, their opinions, the facts, it's the truth for all people. And they're all thinking this way. So it's just, it's a very interesting um, dynamic. And then I like how Wayne says, he says, both outcomes result in the dependent mind dominating as opposed to the way of the Tao, which is the independent, sorry, where the independent mind flows freely. So here he goes. He says the 13th verse insists that ego and the need for importance are troublemakers that are energized by your in-the-world self. The way of the Tao is to be aware of your eternal nature and step out of yourself or body. No ego means no trouble. Big ego equals big trouble. You know, again, and lately, just kind of watching all these conversations and all the media and all this around, you know, the political situation going on in the, in the, in, uh, the States, is that, you know, there are a lot of egos being fed right now by, you know, the need to be right. Then when they think they're right. And, and of course, when you're with a group of like-minded, you know, individuals, you're all feeding each other's egos, right? Because everybody's doing the group think thing and we're all in the same, you know, we're all thinking the same and approval, approval, approval. And, you know, the, the need to be right is an ego thing. Remember the ego doesn't want to die. You know, being right is like, you know, catnip for the ego. And, you know, I think the misunderstanding is that, um, you know, letting go of the, the ego thing and the need to be right doesn't mean we're giving up our conviction or our beliefs. I mean, certainly, you know, it's important to stand for what you stand for. It's just the, you know, the thing where we can, you know, sort of actively listen to somebody else. That doesn't mean you're changing your opinion, right? But, you know, to actively hear them, actually really hear them, rather than nodding and smiling, pretending like we're hearing them, right? And, uh, and actually, I just wrote an article this weekend about this. You know, I no one likes to be spoken down to, right? So when, so when somebody is nodding and smiling and pretending like they're listening, but they're really not, we can all feel that. We can tell. Even a small child knows when they're being patronized. They probably can't put the words to it, but even they get it. We can feel it. And to me, you know, the hallmark of an educated person is to be an independent and critical thinker. So that was Giovanni exercising his independent thinking skills, right? And so uh, and then we're going to get get into the limbic system soon too because that's going on over here. Um, before that, though, let's just finish up with Dr. Wayne Dwyer. He says, every passionate thought that you have regarding how you want to conduct your life is evidence that you're in harmony with your own unique nature. Your fervent belief is all you need. If you're tempted to feel insecure because others disagree with you, recall what Lao Tzu counseled that seeking favor is degrading and will lead you out of touch with your true self. I love that. So in other words, whether it's positive or negative, the fact that we're looking for it is degrading because it's valuing someone else's opinion of us more than we value our own opinion. That's good stuff. That's food for the spirit right there. And again, this also gels with what Pima uh, Chodron said in, um, you know, from last week, practicing peace in times of war, that when we're having that sticky hot lava feeling that comes up, like we're trying to hold in the sneeze, we have to say something, 
we have to react, you know, we can't let so-and-so get the best of us. Can't let them get a piece of us. That like thing we have. Um, and this also brings to mind, um, you know, and Miguel Ruiz's four agreements, the agreement of, you know, don't take things personally. This is also at play here because the Shenpa thing is less apt to happen if we are committed to not taking things personally. You know, someone else's opinion, politically, we've kind of been talking about or fill it in. It doesn't make a difference. Someone else's opinion doesn't have to stick to us like super glue. Our, their opinion doesn't need to change our opinion yet. There's a lot of reacting going on over here with, you know, how dare they have such conservative views? How dare they have such liberal views? And it's, it's so heated because we're taking it into our hard drive. Like somebody shot the, you know, shot the cat or something. I mean, it's just so too much. And this is sort of a, you know, a, a wonderfully natural segue into kind of what I was discussing in the article that I wrote this weekend about um, the amygdala apocalypse, where it just seems like with the current, state of things over here that, you know, I feel like we're walking around like zombies, you know, you know, walking next to each other yet completely disconnected and not knowing what other people are thinking and feeling really, because we're making a lot of assumptions. We are operating out of our limbic system, which is of course, emotional headquarters. And when the limbic system is, is in charge, we are basically offline as in not connected to our uh, frontal lobe, which is our higher thinking process. So I think the example I used in my article was like, it's like going away you know, when the parents go away and leave teenagers. Not sure exactly when it, when it when we'll do that, but let's just say they left teenagers at home for the weekend and they have a party and anything can happen because when the limbic system, our emotional, you know, fight, flight, you know, freeze situation system is going, then we're not connected to the higher you know, the frontal lobe with the higher thinking processes like judgment and reasoning and decision-making and problem-solving and impulse control. That is a big one. The amygdala, of course, in the limbic system is a, you know, far more primitive part of the brain than our, you know, the neocortex, the prefrontal cortex we're talking about. And which is kind of where, where the irony is here because we're in the age of the so-called information and technology, yet you know, in many ways, you know, it doesn't seem like we've really, you know, necessarily come that far, you know, from our, you know, Neanderthal ancestors, because, you know, we're still reacting with primal rage. We, late, at least lately, are not all that able to solve, you know, our problems or get our needs met with language. And, you know, uh, you know, there's been a lot of reacting with violence to show dominance. And that to me, you know, isn't all that different than, you know, our Neanderthal ancestors. And then once again, you know, a lot of us as adult people have really seemingly lost our ability to listen actively. And the key word here is actively. Again, we can all nod and smile and pretend. And we can even kind of, you know, trick ourselves into think, thinking we're listening Though if we were, you know, sort of pretending like we were talking to ourselves and giving each other, you know, giving the other person that kind of attention and engagement and compassion where you could repeat verbatim every single word they said or looking them in the eyes, I think, you know, lots and lots and lots would change. And so as far as, you know, hopefully some tips out of this, I, um, 
you know, I kind of came up at least with this article, like trying to do like a one week experiment to get us back on track from, you know, being, you know, sort of, you know, amygdala driven for lack of a better way to say it, to, to, to rise to our most independently thinking selves, critically thinking selves, which also, um, Daniel Kahneman would say is our system. We want to be in our system two versus our system one. So Daniel Kahneman, author of Thinking Fast and Slow, talks. We've talked about this in the in past episodes. Talks about our system one and sort of being stuck in that is being stuck on autopilot. You know, it's a very fast way of thinking. It's meant to be a shortcut and save time, and which is, of course, how assumptions are made. Bias happens, prejudice happens, and then the resulting discrimination happens. That is from our system one thinking, where again, shortcut, we're not taking in the facts, we're not, you know, fact checking when, you know, somebody looks a certain way or acts a certain way or says something like we've been saying with the political conversations, we're just knee jerking and reacting. So it's a difference of reacting versus responding or primitive versus um, sophisticated. So rather than continuing to be stuck there, I thought we could all try, and I'm including myself here, we try a one-week experiment where when we feel the shenpa, or we feel the sticky feeling, this just that where we just want to react to somebody about something, regardless if it's just, well, you know, I don't like your haircut, you know, versus political stuff or whatever, is the first thing is to take a grown-up time out. You know, when you feel that surge of primal rage to just politely, you know, excuse ourselves, dip into the men's room, the women's room outside, whatever, even if, even if it's a matter of, you know, a minute, we are going to be less reactive and more responsive. If we even take one minute, five minutes is even better, but even 60 seconds will um, possibly prevent a loose lips sink ships situation. Then of course, breathing, I can't say enough about breathing other than, you know, for the obvious, because remember, it's an automatic reset for the mind. It brings the mind out of whatever conversation it is or out of what criticism it is or out of, you know, it's in next Tuesday, your brain's in last last year or wherever. It brings it immediately back and it just centers us. So a big, deep breath. And if you can do that, you know, you know, five times or 10 times where you duck out to the restroom it will absolutely help whatever situation it is that you're you're kind of getting away from for that moment. It'll absolutely help. And the third t- thing I wrote there is to kill your ego. Ego bad, authentic self good, okay? The ego just wants like a parasite. It just wants to stay alive, sucking the sucking the good stuff out of everybody around it. And it just needs to be inflated. And um, we talked about it being since it's, it's a false, it's a falsity, right? It's, it's a, you know, false part of us. It's just nothing's, nothing's long lasting with it. So we get that approval. You know, we, we tell ourselves we're right. The whoever's next to us tells us we're right. Four people tell us are right, that, that we're right. That's just a filler. It's just a false filler. Here's the thing. Kill your ego. Just euthanize your ego. Realize that, um, that this is not our authentic self and that this catnip feel good dope fix thing that we're getting by people, you know, that bandwagon group think thing, it's temporary. Okay. Don't fall into the trap. It makes us miserable. Uh, the next thing is tell me more. And I remember seeing that somewhere, some article I used to use, but I did not take this from there. So I don't need to like give credit because I'm just using the words, 
Um, tell me more. It's kind of like that attitude that we want to go into any conversation with that. Tell me more. I just want to hear more. It can be about, you know, what's on sale at the grocery store, but if somebody's having a conversation with you, it's about being mindful. If you're going to be in the conversation, be in the conversation, pretend that you're listening to yourself, give yourself every ounce of your attention, you know, or give that, sorry, give the other person every ounce of the intention you'll give yourself and they can feel it just like we can feel when we've been actively listened to make eye contact, be authentically engaged. Even if this person's opinion is the polar opposite of yours, challenge yourself. And, you know, it's easy to like people who are easy to like, right? Easy to love people who are easy to love. This is not so easy when, you know, we're a liberal and they're a conservative or they're a conservative and we're, you know, whatever, however it goes or change it to whatever we're talking about. They like this, you like that, you don't agree. It's much more difficult in a situation where two people completely disagree to listen. I mean, it's really hard. So it takes, you know, it takes somebody who's committed to being an independent, critically minded thinker and to kind of rise up to this challenge. It's part of our one week experiment here. Another one that I like, it's an old cliche and I have no idea where it came from, but it's, it's keep your enemy or sorry, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I just slipped in the word perceived there because often we perceive people to be our enemies with their different opinions when really what it is, is they have differing opinions and people go so far, you know, if they don't agree with them, they defriend them on social media and all this like middle school behaviors is so ridiculous. Keep your friends close and your perceived enemies closer. So even if you strongly disagree or even despise the other side or that person, make this effort to know what makes them tick. Because here's the thing. Think about if you're actually in a real battle, you're going to lose that. Like I mean, like on the ground, you're going to lose the battle if you don't understand your opponent. I mean, that's just true. Bring it back to something a little less hostile. Well, maybe not football. And um, I happen to love football. I mean, the, the, in, in, in sports that, that are, uh, you know, team sports, the coaches want you to know what makes the other team tick. They want you to hopefully try to figure out what their plays are. So if you really want to, quote unquote, win the game, meaning just to stay t- on top of the game, you know, knowing, knowing what you're talking about, being independently and critically thinking, you do want to know what the other person's side is. Really, really know why they think what they think. Isn't going to change you unless you allow it. Next, we have don't let karma bite you in the ass. Okay, I love this one because the amygdala, of course, is um, kind of we talked about derailing the the higher thought processes. One of which one one function of which is impulse control. So when we react, that's obviously we're not exercising great impulse control. So the don't let the karma bite you in the ass thing um, is about reminding yourself that when we when we react versus respond, it doesn't typically go well, right? We we want to jump out of system one, reactive, reflexive, knee-jerk mode into system two, which fact checks. It's a more gradual, slower system, which gathers the facts first, kind of just thinks, kind of stews for a little bit, and then responds. Responding is way better than reacting the high majority of the time with like the rare exception of like, you're trying to, you know, 
jump in front of a car to rescue a toddler or something. That would be the exception. The rest of the time, slowing that thinking down, gathering facts, actively listening is the way to go. So don't your karma bite you in the ass because payback is a bitch. We look what happens when we are impulsive with our words or our actions. doesn't go well. Um, and then lastly, we have take the high road. Remind yourself that it's more important to be kind than right. I have in parentheses most of the time um, because, you know, there's those rarities. But for the most part, if you can suck it up and take the high road, you know, that that also um, reduces the power of, of the ego significantly. We can know we're right and not have to say it. And we just gained authentic strength, which will far outlast ego strength. And then, by the way, this is my Psychology Today article. I think I'm supposed to give them credit, too. So I just did. Uh, and I wrote at the bottom, you know, uh, the time has come to get back online with the rational brain, you know, the part of us that says, hey, whoa, wait, hit the brakes, hit the pause button, right? It's time we got back online with that, you know, rational part of ourselves so we can stop thinking with our feelings and move forward as a civilized society. Okay, so hopefully uh, you followed me on that one and we'll just... Um, do a little recap here. So, you know, seek, the seeking out of ex, for seeking out external approval doesn't go well either way, right? Because that's giving power to the external environment rather than, you know, sort of residing on the inside and valuing our own our own opinion. This because that empowers us on the inside. We want our authentic power to be what's what's kind of you know driving us. Absolutely. And then how this kind of, you know, broadly, you know, sort of leaks out to those around us. Right. Because when we're, you know, sort of seeking that external approval and those around us are feeding our own, you know, the egos need to be right. This leads to a group think thing. And that generally doesn't go anywhere good either. So the main theme here is that independent thinking brings authentic freedom. It brings freedom to the individual and freedom to us as a civilized society. And this is a wonderful place to kind of have closure. So I'm going to say thank you for listening um, here in the States and across the world. Thank you. Big thank yous for listening. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day. Mm-hmm.